so welcome. I need to stop the so. Yeah, that's one of your, that's one of your crutch words. It, it is. Um, welcome to Creature Crunch, the podcast where we take a creature, mash our face against it for about five minutes until we die. My name is Matt. And I'm a giant space penis. And um, Chris, I knew nothing, next to nothing about this movie. As evidenced by the end of last episode. Yeah, um, the only things I really knew about it is, A, it was kind of bonkers, and B, it was about space vampires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you told me two things going in that I subsequently uh-huh. forgot until I started watching it, but space vampires uh-huh. and Patrick Stewart. Yes, and Patrick That's Stewart, yes. all I remembered. So I had no idea. Stewart's amazing. He is incredible. <laughs> um, I got notes. Uh, but no, this was um, this was a, a wild one. Yeah. I, was, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I got to admit, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going That's to. That's good. I was, I'm glad. I was just, I, when I started watching it, I was like, "Oh, this movie's really slow, and it's like two hours long." That's gonna hate this. <laughs> um, it was a bit slow at points, that, and it did. In those points, I did kind of drag a little bit, but the story invested me. I was very it, invested with the story. Which, it's wild. <laughs> yeah. Well, you described it as being great, but not good. Uh huh. And so I was expecting something completely different. Okay. Um. And I actually was impressed by that. I was like, I watched this, like, this ain't bad, actually. Yeah, no. Like, I mean, it's got issues. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a few parts that I really don't care for. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but we'll, I mean, we'll get into that. So, uh, as far as recommendation, though, I, I recommend checking this movie out. It's worth a look-see um, if you can get past, like, some of the content warnings and stuff. There's, yeah, let's, let's hit that up top. Yeah, uh, there's a great deal of nudity. Yeah, there is... Full, full frontal, frontal, full frontal nudity. Uh, they pushed the envelope as far as they could for the eighties. Yeah. Full frontal, frontal female nudity. You do not see a penis, right? Because Except at the time, giant, well, spaceship penis. But yeah, because at the time, that uh, a uh, a penis would have given them an X rating, right? Otherwise, they would have. Yeah, exactly. Like they exactly. they really pushed this, and from what I understand, they even did a lot of edits after the movie was made to uh-huh. try to avoid that X uh-huh. rating. Uh, because that would have just killed this movie dead, and yeah, this movie yeah. didn't do great. <laughs> it did not do great, no. But, uh, but yeah, it is a uh, very, very sexually graphic movie. Yeah. Um, um, there's a couple parts where there is some rather intense language used towards sexual proclivities. And... Yeah. Um, and then there's a there's a slight allusion to um, sexual abuse right. at some point a little bit later on, yeah. which I re- that's the scene. It was that very I, uncomfortable. Yeah, I really didn't like that scene. Um, it, it it's weird, but it's, we'll we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, so we'll, we'll definitely discuss that. But yeah, if these are any of your triggers, just just go ahead and skip this one. Um, yeah, it's going to be impossible to avoid a lot of this. Uh, we're going to handle it as tastefully as we possibly oh can for <laughs> two middle aged white white people. But uh, <laughs> we are. Uh, but yeah, this uh, I recommend checking it out though. It, it's worth um, a look see. It's kind of hard to track down. Um it we I assumed you watched it on Amazon like I did because yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um but that's not the real quote unquote real cut of the movie. Uh that's the American cut of the movie which cuts out quite a bit. This movie is supposed to be even longer. It was a little over two hours. Yeah, yeah. This the 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 cut that we watched was like an hour and forty five minutes or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the original cut is supposed to be two hours. I I did look into a lot of this after I watched the movie, uh-huh. and I was kind of wondering if I had which version I had seen. You're because watching like the only version you can watch. Fair, pretty much. fair. Well, because I know that the director's cut has even more nudity, and yeah. I was like, how? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like your actress, your 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 lead actress 
is on screen for like eight minutes, I think it is, and ninety nine percent of that is nude completely. Yes, this is like, true. how do you anyway? <laughs> but yeah, I that's why the movie seems kind of disjointed in places, and why there's a lot that happens off screen. <laughs> okay. okay, that drove. Okay, we'll we'll talk about. Uh, that. We'll talk we'll about talk that because about... yeah, that was that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, just at the first note, like the very first note, it happened. I was like, I made the joke, like, oh look, a movie happened without us there. Yeah, and by the end of it, I was like, another movie happened while yeah. we weren't there. Right, right. But um, so yeah, the it, it's the American cut is kind of disjointed. <laughs> Well, we'll 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 get yeah. into that. Um, so, content warning, spoiler warning, of course, of course, all of the warnings. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's go ahead and dive in. Yeah, let me get into some of the facts about this here movie. Um, this movie was made with a twenty-five million dollar budget and made back eleven million of that money. <laughs> Ouchie! <laughs> Ouchie! Oofa doofa! Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine how bad it would have done if it had gotten slapped with the fatal oh, X rating? God. Yeah. <laughs> like. But th- this was uh, Toby Hooper's follow-up to Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Toby Hooper, the director of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, mm-hmm. guy who knows his chops. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and you get you that get, You get, like, it's directed really well. It really is. Um, <laughs> Penny, you know, my partner came down um, and watched a, a good chunk of this movie with me. Uh-huh. And she would not stop, like praising this movie for its the cinematography yeah, it's very and the good. direction like she there's some characters talking and she made a note on how they positioned themselves in the scene while they were talking and she mm-hmm. was just like wow that's incredible that's yeah. really really just good just like the way the, the blocking the way the characters are framed when they like there's a lot of talking heads in this movie mm-hmm. and at least in like the first half and just the way they're they're framed and the blocking of that makes it so that even though it's like two or three people just yabbering at each other, it still holds your attention. Yeah, yeah. And like the one of the first scenes that they had, and I found it noticeable. Um, at first, I thought it was going to be in a distractingly bad way, mm-hmm. but the more it went on, the more I realized, oh, this is an artistic choice and it's really good. Mm-hmm. But like during the scene when they're investigating the spaceship, it just keeps transitioning from one shot to another with a fade effect. Uh-huh. But it keeps going from like this grand sweeping shot to show what was going on and then back to the actor talking. Yeah. Or just to his face. And then back to a different sweeping shot and then back to his face. And, yeah. And at first I was like, wow, this is really weird. And then more it went, I was like, oh no, this is really cool. I like yeah. this. Yeah. So uh the movie was based off of the novel The Space Vampires by Colin Wilson. <laughs> just just calling it what it is. Good for Literally, you. Literally, yeah. Okay. I, I have not read that book, but I have since acquired a copy. Okay, so it's in your future. (laughs) It's in my to-be-read pile, which I have to admit does have over 700 books in it, so Mm -hmm. it's going to be a while. (laughs) Um, But he called the movie the worst adaptation of a novel ever. Yeah, I was... He hated it. (laughs) Well, I was reading uh, a little bit of trivia after uh, after watching the movie, and there was a... I don't remember what movie it was, but there was a different movie that he was like, this is the worst Uh adaptation I've seen of a novel. And then they made this movie, and I think one of the filmmakers said, oh, we beat it. <laughs> That's <laughs> or hilarious. Or something like that. I don't remember yeah. the exact thing. It, it was an according to IMDb thing. but Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he he hated the adaptation of the movie. Like, he was mad about it. Yeah. His, the rest of his life, basically. <laughs> he just couldn't get over yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. It pretty much derailed Toby Hooper's career. Yeah. He made two more uh, films after this. Like, was, two theater. Contracted. Yeah, contracted. He, one was a... Uh, contractually obligated yes. is the word I was going to look yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but you made the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 mm-hmm. and Invaders from Mars, which yes. is which will probably end up on the show at some point. <laughs> um, but they were both for the Canon Group, and so was this one. Mm-hmm. And the Canon Group was like a super distributor in the 70s and 80s uh, by two uh, producers, Golan and Globus, who were uh, Israeli immigrants to the U.S. Okay. And they made a metric shit ton of no-to-low-budget movies. Right. They also had the rights to uh, several Marvel properties at one point and attempted to make a Spider-Man movie basically up until Sam Raimi did it. Oh, wow. Even after the canon group had dissolved. <laughs> they had those rights and they were going to use them, They were going to use them, yeah. Uh, and that's part of the reason that there was the whole kerfluffle with the uh, Spider-Man movies up until that point because it's like, who actually owns the rights to this? Right. And it, part of it was the canon group, which was a bad time. <laughs> Uh, they also made the Masters of the Universe movie with Wolf Lundgren, <laughs> which is, depending on how you look at it, either a terrible movie or the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> it's uh, definitely one It's of one those. of the two. <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of their fare. They made a ton of exploitation style movies and stuff like that in the 70s and 80s and were just, like, like I said, a super distributor. Right, right. Until they exploded, basically. Because that's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this was going to... They had a recent hit with a, uh, like, chase-style movie. Kind of like... I can't even remember what it was called, but it was like a uh, a truck chase movie. like a Kind of like a Smokey and the Bandit-style thing, that sort of thing. Okay. And they had six, extreme success with that, and um, that inspired them to get a little bit more ambitious. And this was going to be the Cannon Group's magnum opus, Life Force. Right. It had a much bigger budget than anything else they'd done. Which is the reason why it was called Life Force and not the Space Vampire, I believe. Right. That because... was one of the reasons. Um, Toby Hooper wanted to call it the Space Vampires and give it a slightly more humorous bent. Uh, but he was nixed on that. And that's why they called it Life Force and made it like a more serious movie. A straighter adaptation, so to speak. Um, but it bombed. And it basically, this was like the start of the end for the canon group. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's very interesting. Um, Henry Mancini did the score for this movie. And you, even if you don't recognize his name, I can guarantee you've heard a lot of his music. Yeah. He did the Pink Panther theme. Oh, yeah. He did the Peter Gunn theme. Sure. Uh, he did a lot of mid-century Disney stuff. Okay. He did a lot. Um, he'd only done a couple of sci-fi movies. Like, he has something like 1,500 movies to his credit. It's Jeez. crazy. Movies and TV shows. Um, partially because his themes got used over and over and over again. Sure, sure. Um, but he wanted to do this one because the opening scene w- with uh, the explorers going to the spaceship and coming back, and it basically being silent other than the music, he loved the idea of that and really wanted to set music to that. Right. So that that was where he came in on this. So that's why they got this actually really acclaimed composer to do the score for this movie <laughs> about space vampires. Yeah, and like my first note was pretty much just like the movie just tosses you right into the. Oh music. yeah, it just like, tucks you into it. it. That music hits immediately. Yeah. it's it, it comes out the gate swinging, and it's good. It, like, it's, it's, a, good. it's a good score. Phil who was Space Girl in this movie. She does not get a name. She is just Space Girl. 
This was her first English role. She'd done a lot of uh, French TV and lower budget cinema and stuff like that. This was supposed to be her big breakthrough into English roles, mm -hmm. which didn't really happen. She didn't speak English when she took the role. Right. She had to learn all of her lines phonetically, which is why she has kind of a strange cadence. Right. Which works really well. Well, yeah, it does, because she's supposed to be an alien. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, she ended up learning English on set, so she was fluent by the time the movie ended. <laughs> that's in, that's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. That's intense and cool. And later in life, she said that while she wouldn't do this role again, she didn't regret a second of it. Which is, that is that's saying a lot for her character, because, yeah. like, like we were saying, like... She spends the majority of this movie fully nude, and uh, the I remember reading that the casting on this was grueling because it needed to be a nude part. Yeah. And most of the you know the casting call like the actresses that showed up refused to yeah. strip. Yeah, which is their right. Exactly. And uh, they had to expand it, and basically like their bodies had to be scrutinized because Toby Hooper wanted the in his mind the perfect female body, which right. is. A statement, a <laughs> yeah. That that is a statement that is just rife with problems. Exactly. Um, so, like, yeah, it's that's an intense. Uh -huh. That is a very very intense casting call. That is a an intense shoot. That is. So yeah. I, you know, again, give, I got to give her credit yeah. because she she seems like a really cool lady. And yeah, that's great. And she does great in the movie. Oh, she's fantastic. So. I mean, she's creepy. She's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. She's like. It, she works perfectly yeah, in she, this role. She does what she needs to do in this movie, yeah. and and it works very very well. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I was also reading that one of the reasons, another reason that she was cast was because of her, she has a uh, a hist had a history in, in ballet, right? And that allowed her to move in a slightly unnatural, like normal, uh, like a little abnormal way. Yeah, yeah. Be very light on her feet, mm -hmm. even when just like walking, which is what she does through the majority of. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, a lot of walking. Um. Then we get to Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Patrick Stewart was considered for pretty much every male role in this movie at some point. He could he could do it. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like got range. Yeah, when you look at like the the trivia for this, and it's like Patrick Stewart was considered for this role and this role and this role. It's every person who's in the movie. <laughs> um, but he only took the role because the port windows on his house had recently broken and he desperately needed the money to fix it. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's well, taking the odd job to fix Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, he did do some punch-ups of the script while they were shooting the movie. Like, okay, what if my character said things this way instead of this way? Mm -hmm. And it made it, made it sound a little less wooden in a lot of areas and gave, it a, gave his character a very Patrick Stewart bent. Because it would have been easy for it to have just been, oh, here's Patrick Stewart. Bye, Patrick Stewart. Yeah. But instead, he's kind of a big part of this movie, and he's really neat. He leaves an impression. He does, yeah. Even when he turns into a puppet. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get, get to, to that. that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the synopsisizing. Let's jump into this. Yeah. Uh, we open on a joint British-American space flight to intercept Haley's Comet. So that's a start. Yeah, from what I understand, again, from behind the scenes, uh, it wasn't necessarily supposed to be Halley's Comet. Right. It was an asteroid belt like right, it, right. from the original source, but Halley's Comet was set to pass by the Earth a year later, so they are like, no, it needs to be Halley's yeah, Comet. Let's yeah. capitalize on this. Even though Halley's Comet is not usually that huge and green. <laughs> 
minor details. In yeah. this universe, it is. In this universe, it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and it looks, I was going to say, like, this universe's space looks freaking weird. It does. Even for our, like, even yeah. for space. Like, it looks yeah. wild. Space is a terrifying place in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, and our ship that is going up there is called the uh, Churchill. Mm-hmm. Uh, our crew finds something strange in the head of the comet that seems to be artificial. Like, it's not part... It, it's something made. Yeah, it, it's... They call it a needle at some yeah, point yeah. in the movie. And it looks very needle-like when they show it on the radar. Kind of, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, okay, look at that. Or like a... I, I thought like a scepter or a staff or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. I'm like, okay, it's that. Um, and, then, and then you see it. And then you see <laughs> like, it. No, that ain't a needle. That's a penis. That's a big old dick. <laughs> that's my note. Yep, that's a huge space penis. Yep. <laughs> Uh, I'm so glad. You have no idea how glad I am when I and how validated I felt when I saw your note just this morning about, yep, space penis. I'm like, oh, thank God. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. just me. No, no, no. It's very intentional. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, where am I? Okay. Uh, the crew attempts to talk to Earth and ask them, like, hey, do, what the hell do we do about this? But comms are down due to interference from the comet, apparently, or maybe from the object in the comet. They can't really tell. So they make the decision to go and investigate the object. So we send out a, a crew who spacewalks onto a green screen, and they find the object. Yep, and that's where we get that interesting transition effect that I was talking right. about. Right, yeah, yeah. And we get that awesome score. Yeah, it's such, it's, it's real good. Mm-hmm. And most of this is just the score. Yeah, yeah. There's, like, no conversation other than, like, the comms person from the Churchill is, like, trying to contact them every once in a while, but mm-hmm. they, they can't respond. Mm-hmm. So it's very it's very neat. Uh, the crew gets to this big object, and it looks like a big artery from, like, a body, and it leads into a very Geiger-esque chamber. Yeah, And it there's does. a reason for that. Okay. This had the same right. The screenplay had the same writer as Alien. Oh, okay. So it's directly like, okay, yeah, that worked. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. Uh, the chamber is also filled with dead alien bats. Those things look so cool. Yeah, they're creepy. I want, I want more of those. Yeah. <laughs> but And there's a ton of there them. There are a lot. Yeah, it, it's like, this is how you make like a mystery like this, is like... They find this object, and there's something completely inexplicable in it. Yeah, you just... Wow, look it's at It's full of dead alien bats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then and then I, I do love that they're like, oh, it looks prehistoric, and their first instinct is to just touch it. And not yeah. just touch it, but, like, break its fucking finger yeah. off. Carlson, like, who is our, like, lead astronaut. Uh, who, who, by the way, and it drove me nuts uh-huh. for the second half of this movie, looks like an alternate universe... Um, Christian Bale. You're not wrong. Like, it's... It was so uncanny. I had yeah. to check, like, three times in the credits. Like, are you sure that's not Christian Bale? It can't like, be Christian Bale. <laughs> I know, but it's like, are you sure it's not with just, like, a whiter jaw? Like, <laughs> it couldn't be Christian Bale. <laughs> Christian Bale is, like, my age. He could have time-traveled. <laughs> One-year-old Christian Bale is in this movie. <laughs> He could be like Keanu Reeves and Patrick Stewart. No, or he's just for he's just eternal. No, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it was it was uncanny yeah. the resemblance. Anyway, go on. But yeah, Carlson, our lead astronaut, uh, grabs a finger from one of these bats and just fucking snaps it right <laughs> it just, off. Looks and pretty, it, looks pretty historic. Crack, crack. <laughs> just, and it crumbles into dust. Yeah, because <laughs> these things uh, have been drained of all fluid. Mm-hmm. They're just 
desiccated husks. Yeah, they're dust. Which, once again, wild way to start your movie. Right? <laughs> and again, why I was kind of invested immediately. It's like, oh, I want to know more. Do tell. Yeah, yeah. And then they deploy... They, 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 deploy the space net. They deploy the specimen bag. Throw a net. <laughs> Throw a net over <laughs> And just drag that critter back. Um, God, that cracked me up. Yeah. I, I love the lingo in the beginning half of this movie. Yes, it's very funny. Anyway. It's very funny. Um, while the crew is retrieving the, the corpse, um, the ship itself extends like a umbrella-like membrane. Foreskin. Yes. <laughs> it was a just, let's just, it, yeah. Let's okay. just call it what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looks like a vampire squid. It does. It does. But it uh, and it like engulfs the the Churchill mm-hmm. sort of like not fully, but like surrounds it. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it, it well, it kind of expands it and just kind right, of yeah, shel- yeah. almost like shelters it under the quote unquote umbrella. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and then a space sphincter opens up and the crew goes in. Yeah, there's a big light and they're like, ooh, let's go that let's, way. Let's go that way. Let's not bring this corpse back quite yeah. yet. I mean, to be fair, though, uh, there's a lot of moments in this movie where it's like the characters are just kind of drawn to the danger. Yeah. And at first, you're, you know, you're especially our American blockbusterized fucking asses are like, don't do that, you idiot. Yeah. But obviously there's, there's more going on here yeah, and it's, it's very much um, implied that or, or subtly shown that, no, this is an actual draw. Yeah, this they is, can't resist it. Yeah, this is a, this least, is a psychic... Carlson. Carlson. Carlson especially. But yeah. there's a psychic link that is drawing these people. There's a yeah. there's a connection, there's a pull that you can't translate very well in exactly. a movie format. So yeah. it, it, it gets off on that. But Yep. Uh, so the crew goes down that other corridor and they find... Three naked humans encased in transparent crystal coffins. Yep, in the geometry room. In the geometry room, yep. The naked people. <laughs> and Carlson is completely entranced by the female. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is kind of put off, especially that one other male astronaut who is just, like, not having any of this. Yeah. I can't remember the dude's name. But I don't either. I, it's, yeah. But yeah, they're, they're, especially Carlson's like ogling this girl and it's making yeah. me very sad. But again, later on in the movie, they kind of explain why. Spoilers. Yeah. And it's like, okay, never mind. It's, I guess, well, I mean, it's still ooky, but it, it it's makes It's unsettling more... and it's supposed to be unsettling. Yeah, yeah. But it's not just like, ooh, naked lady. It, there's, yeah. there's a deeper reason for that. Yeah. There's a multiple levels of different reason for that. Yeah. But we'll get to that. Uh, the crew takes the three coffins and they're dead vampire well hold on we got a little bit more uh okay. technical um, yeah i don't want to call it jargon but a technical term um where they're like, let's see if we can break them free and then they just start wiggling the crystal <laughs> it's just really funny to me <laughs> i love it i love how later on they describe the crystal as like being there and not being there at the same time and they can't quite describe what these things are yeah it's really cool <laughs> yeah i mean obviously in the movie the prop is just it's, 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 it's plastic it's, it's just like, plastic but, or glass, but... Probably it, plexiglass, honestly. Probably. But, um... But I do like that they're, like... They can't explain it. It's they're something like, completely, like, otherworldly. It's yeah. some, They do not have the language to describe what these things are. Yeah, later on, they're like... Yeah, they're like, we x-rayed it, and... There's uh, nothing there. there it's, it's just <laughs> not. It, it's like... <clears throat> we, we can touch it. We can't go through it, but... It's not there. <laughs> yeah, the, one of the characters likens it to a force field. Right, it's right. Like the, that's the closest he can come, which is a cool concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they, they tow these three bodies and the netted corpse back to uh, the Churchill. And we skip 30 days Then we later. skip 30 days to uh, Space Command back on Earth. 
Uh, the ship is having comms issues, and they can't get a hold of them, and their re-entry orbit is not correct. It's yeah, wrong. It, they, they say that it, um, the Churchill's trajectory was clearly programmed immediately after they left the, the asteroid. Right. But never corrected for, well, anything. Right, It right. was just, it's still on that same trajectory. Yes. Uh, a second shuttle uh, is launched from Earth to assist the Churchill landing and make sure that there's nothing amiss up there. Spoiler alert, there's a lot of miss up there. <laughs> it's, um, we, have a, we have an amazing line, line raid. Houston, we have a problem. It's been a fire. But, uh, yeah, it looks like a fire has been set inside the Churchill. There's nothing left. Yeah, everybody is just like... Bones. Bone... <laughs> They've yeah, been like, skeletonized. <laughs> yeah, like like mummified corpses that have been torched. Right. The movie happened without us. Yeah, really, yeah. Yeah, life happened in here. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. It's like, <laughs> this is the... This is the... Uh, we're about ready to get the rest of that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's really wild. Um, but the people in the crystals are still untouched and secured. Like, nothing has happened to them. They're, yeah, unblemished completely. Yeah. Uh, the bodies are brought back to Earth and discussion over whether to dissect them or not because they can't quite determine if these things are alive. Yeah. Um, more stuff happens off screen because then they're talking about how, like, when they touch to the pod. Like, one of the characters is just like, how did you... like?" The, it, it shows them removing the pods. And then it cuts to a scene immediately where they're, some of the, the doctors are talking to each other. And they're like, how did you get the girl out of the pod? Who authorized you to do that? And they're like... Well, we, we didn't... Nobody authorized it. We just touched it and it opened. And it's like, yeah. oh, cool. I'm glad that happened. Thanks for letting me right, know. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, she's just on an examination table. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's under constant guard, just in case. Um, and the guard watching her becomes entranced by her. Yeah, again, it, I had the note, like, something strange? Better touch it. Yeah. But again, there's a reason. Yeah. <laughs> and she seems to have a glow from in her tummy. Tummy glow. Tummy glow. Like a Care Bear or something. Like all beautiful women have. In their tummies. I'm looking at you pregnant ladies. Stop that. <laughs> don't, don't be weird. <laughs> miracle of, the miracle of... Matt, no. Is, is beautiful is what I'm getting at, Chris. Matt, no. <laughs> but uh, the guard reaches out to poker and her eyes open and she sits up with a, with a scare cord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, our main character of this particular segment, Dr. Bukowski, watches from his office and is just like, oh shit, that wasn't supposed to happen. And he, yeah, see, so he gets up and starts running and he has to run through like a billion doors yeah. to get to him. Yeah, <laughs> he's so far away from this examination room. Well, that, that's like, there's, there's like, I am, I know that like examination rooms and labs and things have quarantine procedures. Right, and, right. And, you know, sealed doors and stuff. But he goes through like a little hallway that is just... One door, small empty room. Another door, small empty yeah, room. Yeah. Another door, small empty room. Another door, small empty room. It's like, oh my god! It's video game logic. Those are like <laughs> the hallways where dudes pop up behind orange barrels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Space Girl takes off the guard's helmet and begins like just making out and sucking his face. She's yeah, and this <laughs> all of the makeout scenes in this movie are like, and I'm sure it's done intentionally. They're not Hollywood makeout scenes. No, they're not like, oh look at how how erotic and beautiful yeah, that is. Yeah. No, this is... This my, is suck face. Yeah, I am... Exactly. <laughs> this is... I am sucking your face. You are sucking my face. We're mushing our mouth parts together. Yeah, yeah. Done. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> 
that the, the lights in the examination room start to flicker and weird, like, cosmic rays <laughs> begin to project off of her. Stuff goes weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stuff goes weird is a very good description of a lot of what happens in this It's very true, yeah. Uh, Bukowski gets to the exam room and finds the girl gone and the, gr- the guard completely drained of fluids, like he is a husk. Uh, or no, Space Girl's not gone. She's there. And she tells yeah. Bukowski uh, to use her body. Yeah, I was going to say, it looks like she's Excuse about to do the same thing to him. Yeah, yeah. I was a little ahead of myself because more guards charge in, uh, but Space Girl leaves at that point. Yeah, and, and Bukowski is okay. Yeah, yeah, he seems to be fine. weird. Yeah. At least I found it weird at first. It's explained like, like it's so There's weird. So lot, much of this yeah. movie is just like, oh, wow, that's actually explained. Right, right. Well, it's again, it's one of those things where this movie is clearly written and filmed and everything that done it is done with purpose rather than a lot of movies today where it's just done yeah. just for the sake of doing it and getting the plot going and moving forward yeah, yeah. so um it's it's very easy for me to be like pointing out these what i perceive as foibles as like oh look at that they mm-hmm. cut this they did this shortcut they cut this corner here but no there are actually reasons yeah so um, uh, let's see, Space Girl wanders around, butt naked, finds a few more guards. She offer, The guard offers her a biscuit. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, he's, he's offering it to like her she's like a she's a stray dog. He's like, here, here, come here, it's okay. It's like, oh my god. So she zaps them with space lasers. And rightfully so, I guess. Yeah. And then blows the windows off the space center and walks off into the night. Uh, the guards she zapped with space lasers aren't dead. No, they're all which okay. Which is weird. Yeah, like, again, kind of strange. Yeah. Uh, and then the SAS arrives on the scene and begins to grill Bukowski. And at this point, like, it very much looks like Bukowski is going to be the main character of the movie. Yeah, I thought that for sure. Like, he, he gets so much of the, the focus and he's instrumental in explaining to the SAS guys and, like, yeah... He, but no, this is actually his send-off. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, we don't see a whole lot of him in the rest of the movie. No. But uh, Bukowski does describe Space Girl as the most overwhelmingly feminine presence I've ever encountered. Which is how she's described a lot in this movie. Yeah. Uh, the SAS captain, is, or colonel, is called Kane. And then there's another doctor called Falada who are involved in this whole conversation. Um, it turns out that the Churchill's logs that they recovered from the Churchill when they recovered everything else were erased at some point. So they're just blank tapes. And also there's an escape pod missing. Yeah. Yeah. And Which it, is kind of a, uh, well, when they, when they dropped that, it suddenly made me realize like, oh, we're, we didn't necessarily miss the movie happening. Uh-huh. Like that, that, I mean, I mean, I, I obviously knew like, oh, there's a mystery still. Right, right. But um, when it happened, when there was an escape pod missing, missing, I was like, uh, it suddenly really invested me again. I was like, yes, yes, do tell. This is interesting. Yeah, yeah it's really, in, like, just the it's setup cool. of this movie is interesting. Uh-huh. I don't think it pays off in a lot of areas. No, but it's I would have to agree. Amazing setup. Yeah. Especially um, for sci-fi horror. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, Bukowski goes home because he's feeling kind of rough after his encounter with Space Girl. Which I read way more into than apparently yeah. <laughs> I should have. No, he's just it, not feeling good. Because <laughs> that, I was just like, oh, she did something to him. Ooh, yeah. what no, he's just leaving him? the movie, man. Yeah, no, he was just, <laughs> he's just sick. He got a tummy ache. Yeah. 
while uh, Kane and Falada discuss whether there's life after death and... They start getting full philosophical. Really philosophical and like what happens to the life force of a person when they die, which is where we get our title from. Yep, title drop. Um, Falada thinks that the space girl drains this life force from people directly calling her a vampire and then says, well, aren't we all vampires because we all subsist off of the life force of other beings. And it's like, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're getting dude. a little out there, buddy. <laughs> Pull it back. We, okay, first year philosophy student. We get you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm fascinated by death itself. What happens as we die, when we die? What happens after we die? You mean life after death? Yes. Is that? What? Life after death. Do you really want to know? No. But to answer your question... Yes, I think there is. If I am correct, the life force is conserved always and in all things, even after death. And you think that applies to what's happened here tonight? Yes. Yes, I do. I think that girl, creature, drained energy, life force partially from Bukowski and totally from the guard. A vampire? It could be described that way, yes. I mean, in a sense, we're all vampires. We drain energy from other life forms. The difference is one of degree. That girl was no girl. She's totally alien to this planet and our life form. And totally dangerous. Uh, the other two male bodies are under guard. <laughs> Uh, and they wake up and set the room on fire. They just explode. <laughs> These two naked dudes explode. It happens. <laughs> uh, the the SAS guards begin shooting at them, and they seem completely impervious to bullets. Yeah. However, they are not impervious to grenades. <laughs> Big explode. Yep. Yeah. And the uh, space boys are blown up. Goodbye, space boys. Hunky <laughs> space boys. Naked men. I love hunky boys. <laughs> Uh, an autopsy is being performed on the uh, drained guard that Space Girl got a hold of, but Riser about to start cutting into him, he opens his eyes and starts screaming. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> and this is where we get our first real, like, good practical effects in this movie that would mm -hmm. persist. The, practical, the, the, the puppetry in this movie is incredible. Incredible. It's very interesting. It's yeah. so good. I love it. Cause it it's very strange because it doesn't look like realistic, so to speak. It looks artificial, but in a way that is fascinating. It's fascinating and unsettling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very uncanny valley. Like, even and, though these creatures don't necessarily look fully human. Anymore. Right. And and it, it also helps um, kind of pulling a little bit from further in the movie when there's a female corpse like this. Uh -huh. It helps that the movie doesn't shy away from the nudity because no. you don't. they don't have to tastefully, quote-unquote, edit this. I mean, it's clearly not done for the nudity. But, no, it's pretty but they grotesque. Don't, they don't care about it, and it, it it's very unsettling. Yeah, in, yeah. In a, the way that it should be. Yeah. So, uh, so this undead uh, guard entrances one of the doctors. <laughs> Hypnotizes and, the doctor into necrophilia. Yeah, yeah. And drains him, uh, which drains the doctor into a corpse, but reinvigorates the guard. Yeah, it puffs him back out. In a really weird effect. Cause yeah, it, bubbly. It's all bubbly, and like you can see his skin like reinflating and, and getting color back into it. It's gross. It is. It's gross. It's a good, again, a good effect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the guard is completely baffled by what he did. <laughs> just stands there like, oh, no, I didn't mean to do that. I'm pretty sure he just screams. <laughs> like, yeah. He's just yelling and screaming and freaking out from this point right, on. Right, right. 
uh, he's sedated by the other doctor and placed into isolation. Uh, we get a report that it looks like the body of Space Girl has been found nearby, completely drained. Or at least a female corpse. A nude female corpse. A nude female corpse. They're like, that's gotta be our Space Girl. It's not our Space Girl. No, no, it isn't. But they do quickly draw... Like, one of the things that I also enjoy, and this is another fine line that I think is... Uh, it's probably a lot more difficult than I give credit mm-hmm. for, but is making a character smart versus making a character jump to the correct conclusions. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, jumping to the correct conclusions is annoying to me. It's yeah. like, why... You can't, like, they just make an assumption and it's happens to be correct and yeah. it's gospel from there on. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure, um, like, even Attack the Block did that once. Where exactly. Where like, okay. But in this movie, um, I, you, you also don't want the characters that are too stupid. You don't want the characters that aren't able to put the puzzle together. Well, especially together. when they're supposed to be experts. Yeah. And in this movie, I feel that they, they nail it because the characters are very, like, you see this corpse jump up off the table suck the life force out of this other guy who then becomes a corpse. Yeah. And this the the first guy is still acting un you know crazy. And the doctor's like, I bet that he's gonna have to feed again. This uh-huh. is gonna have to he is spreading this get this, this dude into isolation and then they get the report that there's a drained female corpse nude. Yeah. And it's like, okay, it makes perfect sense that that would be Space Girl. Yeah. Because we saw what happened to this guy and the doctor. We can kind of make a connection there. It makes perfect sense. But but that's just it too, though. the 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 characters are making assumptions based off of the facts that they have, uh-huh. and it is the driving force of their stuff. But also at the same time, as we find out later on, some of their assumptions, not all of them, some of them are wrong. Yeah, and it's like this movie does that so well. Yeah, it, that well, is such a hard thing to nail. What ends up being like the the story behind these creatures is so unfathomable that there's no way they could have been correct. Right, there's right. No way. So they're acting on the information that they have, and they're making guesses and leaps of faith that mostly make sense in context of what they know. Exactly. And and I guess what I'm pointing out is that in a lesser movie, the characters would immediately jump to that unfathomable right. conclusion. Right. Because, oh, look at the evidence. They, they can only point to this. It's like, well, I <laughs> I'd mean, like to see I that guess chain. so. <laughs> I guess so. You're not wrong, but that's a leap, and you're correct, and it's annoying. Or they would just completely ignore all of the evidence and be the dumbest shits ever. And, right, right. But either way is not very good. But this movie they, nails it. They do a really good job of that, yeah. Anyway, uh, this corpse is a different girl. Um, and it turns out that Space Girl is still on the loose and she is now clothed because she stole the clothes off of yep. this, well, this woman. Their, their primary identifier is now yeah. removed. <laughs> we are looking for a, a, an amazingly beautiful woman and she's wearing clothes now. <laughs> Uh, the previously undead guard is in a cell and is having a really bad time. <laughs> Just screaming and like thrashing around and I also like growling. to note that because this is a clearly a, uh, you know, it's it's a space research right. stage. They don't have a jail. No, they do not have a jail. So he, they just have to lock him in like the storage room. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, okay, yeah. I like that. I appreciate that. Uh, he, he's been growling and moaning and then his body shrivels up entirely and he's gone. Yeah, he turns he turns to dust. Yep. It looks like these creatures need to feed every two hours or they are gone. Mm-hmm. Which is a short feeding time. It is it is a very short fuse. Yeah. This is how you get apocalypses, friends. Which is a spoiler for later <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> Foreshadowing? Yeah. 
the doctor who was drained rushes towards the bars of his cell and just shatters against them and explodes. Which is pretty wild. Mm -hmm. uh, the body of the girl that they found in the park uh, reanimates into a shrieking corpse. Uh, but she is strapped to a table and there are several monitors attached to her so that they can kind of see what's going on with this shit. Uh, she sor shorts out the EKG, which explodes. <laughs> and then she explodes. And then she explodes. <laughs> <laughs> so much exploding. Yeah, it's a rough time. And then it turns out that the uh, Churchill's escape pod has been found. Yeah, they found it in Texas. Yep. Uh, a team captures it, and it turns out that it's Carlson from the Churchill. Yes. Our lead astronaut man from the beginning of the movie. Yep. He's going to take over as male lead now. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's going to be the Christian Bale we need him to be. Yeah. Because uh, Bukowski is no longer in this movie. No, he is not. <laughs> he's just fucking... I just can't get over that. <laughs> it was wild. He gets so much focus in like the first like half of this movie, and then he's gone. Yeah. Uh, Carlson explains to Kane and... Uh, what's his Falada. name? Falada. Yeah, there you go. I, yeah, Falada. <laughs> Uh, what happened aboard the Churchill, um, that while traveling back from Haley's Comet, the crew died. One by one, they one, each died. Yeah. Uh, the radio operator freaked out and wrecked the equipment so they couldn't contact Earth, claimed he couldn't remember what happened, yeah, and then the I, next day he was drained fully. Yeah, I think his name was Rawlings. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in this scene, he does his best Christopher Walken impression. Yeah. Rawlings denied any knowledge of what he had done. I don't remember. Rawlings. Besides myself, you're the only one that's been up here in the last hour. I've been feeling weak recently. Not myself. Just don't remember. And then after that, um, members of the crew died until only Carlson was left. Uh, he attempted to sabotage the ship because he figured that something from the bodies they brought back was infecting everyone and killing them, and he didn't want to infect the Earth, so he lit the ship on fire, and jumped in the escape pod and escaped. Yeah, uh, this shuttle has a crew of like a dozen or so uh -huh. and has a single escape pod with room for exactly one person. I think it has two escape pods because I think we see a second one. I don't I don't remember seeing that okay, one. Okay, maybe uh, not. My, my Penny was watching and she also okay. made mo note of it, but I, I could have overlooked it. But well, still, it's... two escape pods ain't enough for 12 people. No, no, no. <laughs> but it's made for situations just like this where there can only be one survivor. <laughs> This is Firewall number three. Uh, and then it turns out that the uh, alien ship from inside the comet is approaching Earth. It's it's coming. It's coming to fuckers. Space penis inbound. Uh, Carlson in his recovery room is racked with nightmares and has one where the space girl is trying to seduce him. She turns into a giant vampire bat creature, except this one alive. Yeah. Uh, and then they fuck. Yeah, uh, they have sex while countless voices scream just out of sight. It's and yeah. it is horrifying. There's an elephant trumpeting in the background. <laughs> there is just like there's all this muttering and screaming and mumbling and all these insane animal sounds. It's not good. It's like this terrible. is bad sex. It's horrifying. <laughs>
Uh, he catapult nightmares up. <laughs> and they freaking soaked this actor in Vaseline. Oh my. This, scene. this is a sweaty movie. <laughs> there are so many actors who are just dripping. Especially Carlson. There's Carlson, another scene yeah. later on where he's just like dripping wet. And it's yeah. like, good God, man. Carlson and Patrick Stewart are the sweatiest members, I think. <laughs> but everyone gets it at some point. Yeah. Uh, but Carlson claims that Space Girl is contacting him through his dreams and, like, draining his strength, and they have a weird connection. Uh, so they decide to hypnotize him so that he can maybe recollect more of the dream and get a better connection with Space Girl so they can try and contain her. Because that worked so well the first time. Yep. Scientific hypnotization. Yep. Um, they get that connection, and it turns out that Space Girl is now in a different body. Which is weird. Yeah, yeah. Like, this... Okay, so this is where the movie started to lose me a uh-huh. little bit. Because it, it's like... they uh, These characters, and kind of <laughs> spitting in the face of my previous comment, these characters start taking all of this at face value. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, clearly she's in a different body. And then nobody's like, ha. What? Wait, no, back up. I mean, like, I, the only thing I can assume is that, okay, Carlson is obviously their connection to Space Girl. Right. And he seems to know what's going on somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so we gotta believe. Like well, he's the expert in this weird shit. Yeah. Right now. That's the other part too, where they like they trust him implicitly. Yeah. Which, again, spoilers in the movie for later on, I think is a big part of what went wrong. Yeah. But kind of. I, like, well, it's the, weird. I think there's a lot to be said. We can talk about it when yeah, we yeah. get there. So, but but yeah, like they just start taking all of this as just gospel, and it's like. Uh, Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, you know what? Whatever. Right, right. They jump to the conclusion that she switched bodies. Well, I guess they don't jump to the conclusion, but they take Carlson's word for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Space Girl in this new body is looking for a new victim. Uh, she hitchhikes into a car, and uh, Carlson can read the license plate of the car, except for the last number, although that does not end up being important <laughs> at all. No. Not even But they are bit. very insistent on yeah, it. Yeah, they're like, it's either an, an E or an R. Or we can't... Yeah. Alright, we found it. So they, they, okay, have, I guess. they have a lead. Um, at well, some point during this, Falada gets a sword. <laughs> yeah! So, well, hold on. Back up a, a little bit, though. Like, um, One of the, the things, like, Carlson is watching... It's almost like third person, but uh, he's got this connection with her. Right. So he can tell what's going on. And she's hitchhiking with this guy and obviously trying to make him his, her victim. Uh-huh. And she's like, so she pulls up her skirt and makes him touch her yeah. leg. And, and like Carlson like looks like and acts like he's in physical pain at watching Watch. somebody else touch her. Right. Yes. It's, it, I noted that and I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then yes, Falada has a fucking sword for some reason. <laughs> And that's a weird sword. It's an old sword. It's, it's like a... in this ancient case, and it looks all, like, weird and triangular. The only thing I can describe it as, and this is a weird pull, is if you've played Silent Hill for the room, the swords that you can pin down the ghosts with are these weird triangular swords. It looks like this kind of, but I not mean, quite. It's probably a, a sword from some sort of historical I thing. Could I could not it's, say. It's beyond my knowledge, and yeah. I didn't look into this. I looked into something a little bit later on. We'll get to it. Okay. But I didn't look into this. It is just a strange sword, and I don't know why this man owns it. I, he got it. Well, he got it sent for research purposes. <laughs> At the Space Research Center. Yeah. like This is a space sword. It is a, clearly it's the only conclusion you can draw. Space sword. Got it. Uh, this is the light of Galadar. We're going to fucking do this. 
Um, but yeah, then uh, Falada is cornered in his lab by one of the resurrected Space Boys. Yep. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. We cut away from that. <laughs> yep, because the movie has to happen uh, not with us here. Yeah. <laughs> we can't watch this happen. Yeah. Uh, the car that Space Girl's victim is driving has been found, and it turns out that the body that Space Girl is in is a girl who works at a sanitarium that is run by Patrick Stewart. There's the man. His name is Dr. Armstrong, but that's not what anybody is going to call him, so he is Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, they find the girl that Space Girl was inhabiting. She has no idea what's going on. Um, and then we get a very uncomfortable scene. Yes. Yeah, so this, this is, is a bad scene. This is My notes are as follow. Uh, Carlson is not a good dude. No. Really not a good dude. Yeah. Oh, and Kane isn't either. <laughs> Kane um, just likes to watch. Okay, this movie is getting weird and not in a good way. Yeah. Don't like any of this. Yeah, okay, so here here's what's going on. She doesn't know what's going on. Carlson assaults her. Yeah, And claims that she is a masochist, like a deep-seated deep masochist, who wants him to force the name out of Space Girl's... of, of Space Girl's next host out of her physically. Yeah, he, he pins her down, he slaps her. Right. There's definitely some very unfortunate and awful uh, implications yeah. going on here. He, and Kane is just like, yeah, I'm going to sit down and watch this happen. Well, he, he uh, Carlson turns to Kane and is like, oh, you're probably going to want to leave for this. And Kane sits down and is like, no, I'm a natural voyeur. Ugh. And she's like, no, what? Hate, hate, Where hate. did this come from? Yeah, I hate this scene. Like, hate I know scene. there's been a lot of, this This is a very sexual movie. It's a sexually charged movie in right, a lot of ways. Right, But this well, is insane. <laughs> well, see, that's the other thing is, um, sex and sexual assault are two very yeah, yeah, yeah. different yeah, things. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so this is not a sexually like charged scene. This is an assault charged scene, and I do not like it. No, this is it is uncomfortable to watch. It's just, ugh. I mean, fortunately, I will say, uh, listeners, like it doesn't go that no. far. It doesn't. It doesn't go it's too much. Honestly, far. just a moment. It but is. it's an uncomfortable moment. Yeah, yeah. And then to make things worse, like, after this is all done, like, he, he ends up ripping her dress and she's wearing this petticoat under. Yeah. Um, And, uh, like, to make matters worse, afterwards, she acts like she's in ecstasy. And it's like, ooh, I don't well, like it, this. It turns out that Space Girl is still inside of her, kind of. Kind of. It's weird. So... Yeah, it's a good she thing Carlson and... wasn't far off the mark, or else this would have been real bad. Yeah. Even worse than it is. Yeah, yeah. So the girl that Space Girl is inside of and Carlson begin making out, and then she faints. So Carlson now has a physical description of Space Girl's next victim host person? Okay, yeah, we'll get to it. Th this starts just going off the rails, man. Yeah, it does. Yeah, so they, he gets this... Physical description of one of the patients at the psychiatric hospital. Right. And, like, he describes it to Patrick Stewart as, like, a large man with a big birthmark on his face. Yeah. And Patrick Stewart's like, oh, yeah, that's Yeah, this I know guy. that guy. <laughs> he, he's in solitary right now because he's been bad. Well, he's been a naughty boy. Yeah, that was one of the lines that... one of the lines that, that yeah. Patrick Stewart improvised. Yep. Well, not improvised, but, but punched up. Yeah, because it was originally he's been bad, but yeah. <laughs> Patrick Stewart, Stewart changed it. Big man, fat, gray hair... Birthmark on his face? Jeffrey Sykes, the child murderer. Where did you get his description? Where is he now? He's in solitary confinement. He's been naughty. Look, what is this about? He, he knew what he was doing. <laughs> yep. He read the script. 
Yeah. Uh, so Carlson wants to hypnotize this patient uh, to try and control Space Girl or something. Like, this is where it starts getting really muggy. Like, what's actually going on? Yeah, so, yeah, because they want to, they're going to inject him with this mixture of morphine and... It's hypnofluid. Hypnofluid. I don't remember the other drug, but... Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna we're gonna inject him and hypnotize him scientifically, and get information out of right, him. Right, right. Uh, so they go in to do that, and then Carlson injects Patrick Stewart. Yeah, they attack Patrick Stewart immediately because Patrick Stewart has been the host of Space Girl, and Carlson knew this when Patrick Stewart touched his shoulder because he has the dead zone. Touch. He's got this connection. Yeah, yeah. Which begs the question as to how the fuck did they get the description of this patient? I don't know because that's something that even like. I think one of the other, like, when they when they describe it, Patrick Stewart is immediately like, how do you know who this guy is? How did you know his description? Yeah. Like, oh, well, we just do. The only thing I can figure is, Carlson has this link with Space Girl, who is in Patrick Stewart, and Patrick Stewart knows the patients of the sanitarium. Maybe, maybe. That's the only thing I can no prize from this. The, I mean... I'm 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 okay. I, I can settle with that. I can I can be at peace with that. It's, but yeah, it's very it's this whole segment is like incongruent with the rest of the movie. Uh huh. In terms of just like in tone, in what the people know and what they don't know, and in how they get this information. But you can't cut it because it's Patrick Stewart. It's Patrick scene. Stewart, and it's fair. Like Patrick Stewart is amazing in this. Yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, they do kind of jostle him around and beat the crap out of him, though. Yeah, um, like they're gonna kill him. They're gonna kill Patrick Stewart. Be nice to Patrick Stewart. <laughs> He's a national treasure. An international treasure. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's a wonder of the world. So, uh, our team of experts demand more hypnofluid to keep Patrick Stewart sedated. They drug him again, and then <laughs> Carlson injects him a second dose, and then is like, I can't get into her mind. There's too many drugs. <laughs> <laughs> you did this! <laughs> it's, it's not just that they inject him with another... Syringe. They inject him with two syringes in the met in the neck. Well, that's that's a little later, but but still, yeah. (laughs) They they keep Patrick Stewart super drugged up, but they I mean they do get him and hypnotize him, and then he starts speaking in he he speaks in this overlaying way where sometimes it's Patrick Stewart's voice and sometimes it's Space Girl, but most of the time it's both. Right, and but the the transitions back and forth like it, it cuts back and forth between Carlson and and. Patrick, Patrick Stewart. Stewart, but sometimes it's Space Girl. Sometimes yeah. it's Patrick Stewart with her voice coming out. Sometimes it's like yeah. it's a really well it's done. It's very unsettling. It, it's unsettling and it's very well done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we get kind of an explanation as to what Space Girl is. Kind of like we get the start of that. It turns out that as the Churchill's crew approach the vampire ship in space, the three remaining vampires. Uh, change their body to look like the ideals of the people who approached and like space girl says that she is literally the feminine presence in carlson's mind she is his perfect ideal which is that's where we finally get that full circle like oh now it makes sense why he was ogling her and drawn to her and and she even mentions like it's a psychic thing yeah she was able to tap into his mind so we finally get that explanation and it was just like oh that's it went from like, oh, that was very ooky at first, and just kind of like weird, yeah, yeah, to a, oh wow, that's that makes actually sense. really cool. I like, really like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Carlson makes out with Patrick Stewart. It this is uh, credited as Patrick Stewart's first on-screen kiss. Hooray! Good for him. Yep. Um, and uh, it goes a little how I imagine casting, ca- uh, kissing Patrick Stewart would go. 
Lots of well, sparks, lots of lots of energy flowing and everything around the room, explodes. exploding. A man dies. <laughs> a man gets his neck broken. Yeah. That's exactly how I imagine yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they inject Patrick Stewart with a ton more fluid in the neck, uh, releasing Space Girl's hold on Carlson, but one of the experts is dead at this point. So that's a bummer. That guy. Yeah, uh, they get his name is Percy. I don't know what his purpose was. <laughs> he was just—he knew was Patrick there. Stewart is the thing. Like, he, yeah, that was his sign. He you haven't mentioned Stewart. him up until this. No, point. I haven't because, because he didn't, he didn't do, anything. do anything. He was in all these scenes. Yeah, he almo- was there almost, almost, almost. Like in the scene in the uncomfortable uh, assault scene. Yeah, he, he was. He there. was with Patrick Stewart at the time. Yeah, so. yeah. But other than that, he's been there the whole time. Yeah. Now he did. Yeah, he did not matter. <laughs> um... So it looks like Space Girl has been leading the experts away from London while the rest of her victims awake in London. And mm-hmm. so do the Space Boys. Yeah, they suddenly realize, like, oh, crap, we found that one corpse. What if we didn't find the rest? What there, if there, there is are probably more? more? Yeah, there's probably more. And what if, if we just has, didn't find them? <laughs> if she has to feed every two hours like all these other things do, then oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie do! Oh, Whoa, we made yeah. a we made a boo boo <laughs> big mistake, <laughs> and we didn't tell anybody else. <laughs> um, both of the space boys managed to resurrect themselves in the bodies of the guards who threw the grenades at them. Well, it's it's implied that they had uh, taken over their bodies, right? In the same way that Space Girl did, right? Right? Yeah. Um. And Falada was able to stake one with his crazy sword. Yeah, this thing happened all off screen. Yeah. So here is the weakness of the space vampires. Okay, I've got... Go ahead. Yeah. I'm, I, but I've got notes here. Okay, much like a like bog standard vampire has to be stabbed through the heart with a stake made out of wood, space vampires have to be stabbed about two inches below the heart, which is the energy center, with a weapon made of leaded iron. So the the exact line is Falada explains that he had to kill them the old way. The old way. A leaded metal shaft penetrating not through the heart, but through the energy center two inches below the heart. Not steel, but leaded iron. You know, the, the old, old way. way. <laughs> so when he made that mention, and I, I mean this joke, it's like, that's a wild thing to say. Yeah. I did a little bit of research. Okay. Uh, Chris, are you familiar with Michelle Bellinger? I am not, no. So she is an author who specializes in nonfiction occult books. Okay. Um, Pretty modern. She was born in like the 1970s. Okay. Um, And when I researched as much as I could about this, I found that she wrote a book called The Vampire Codex about... and and, So this is a nonfiction religious text about vampires. All right. But according to The Vampire Codex, a chakra exists in the chest just below the sternum that is known as ka, which is tied to the needs and hungers of the physical form. Okay, that's some Egyptology stuff. When vampires feel a need to feed, it is here that they feel it. Interesting. I honestly can't tell if this was an intentional link that the filmmakers really did their research on, or is just a wild-ass coincidence. Okay, when was that book written? Uh, You know what? I didn't... Let's see here. Yeah, do do a quick search on that, because this movie came out in '85. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if this was part that was brought forth from the uh, the the text, so to speak, of the space vampires, or if this was something that was invented for the movie. Uh oh, 
Oh, the 20th. The 20th anniversary edition came out in 2014. So this would have been, what, uh, 1994? Yeah, so like 10 years later. Yeah. Weird. I, it's, it's, there's it's got to be some, like I said, that's an Egypt, Egyptology thing is the, right. the Ka. Right. So that is interesting. Well, I, I did a lot of other research trying to figure out like the different chakras, uh-huh. and I could never, I couldn't find any other mention of that chakra being called Ka. Right. That is, this is the only time, place I could find that. Um, I am not the best at research, so I could be yeah. wrong. But I just found that fascinating. That yeah. that in according to this vampire religion thing that, I mean, it's not directly below the heart; it's below the sternum, but it's close that's enough close to enough, be like. And that's basically where they stab Space Boy anyway. Yeah. So it's like it makes you think. Like that was interesting. They, they got to know something. Somebody They're, knows something. Yeah, that was an interesting. Like I said, it's either just a wild ass coincidence or yeah. All so right. anyway, um, but that's that's my little. Interesting tangent. <laughs> yeah. So our remaining experts get this call on the helicopter that they are transferring Patrick Stewart and the corpse of Sir Percy. They get a lot of messages while dealing with first... Like, <laughs> there's a call for you. And as soon as they're done with that, like, oh, a message came in while you were on that call. Yeah. And then they're dealing with a that message. message. <laughs> yeah. And then after they finish that message, it's like, oh, yeah, this message came in while you were dealing with that message. Yeah. So a lot like, happened. Oh a lot happened. But anyway. uh, stuff in London's bad. Let's say that. <laughs> Well, before that, yeah. Um, um, okay, so Patrick Stewart turns into a puppet, <laughs> like a bad puppet. Yep. And then a bunch of blood starts barfing out of his mouth, mouth and eyes and ears. Yeah. And then the same thing happens to Sir Percy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then the blood forms into a floating heart, like a giant floating heart. Oh, I didn't even notice it was heart shaped. Yeah, it, it, like a uh, anatomical heart, not like a right. Whoop, I love you heart. <laughs> Though that would have been yeah. incredible. Yeah. The uh, space girl did not do moi moi coon on you. <laughs> Um, and then it materializes into Space Girl, like a blood form of Space Girl. Yeah, and I loved this too because the it's the the two men in the helicopter are sitting with their backs to the yes. pilot, so the pilot is not obviously noticing this. Yes, but every time it shows them reacting, the pilot's just merrily, merrily flying along. And I had the doubt. It's just like, yeah, don't tell the pilot what's don't going on. Don't mention this. He's going to freak. Yeah. And then he does look back a little bit and starts going out of control because he's like, oh my God. <laughs> so the, the helicopter starts weaving and wobbling. He's, and I'm like, yep. That yeah, that's that, what that, You shouldn't have told him. But <laughs> not but, that it matters because after this like blood thing, after she just goes she away. She starts screaming and then melts. And Carlson's like, she's escaped. <laughs> yeah. And then the pilot is just like, you know, I'm cool. I'm yes. fine now. Okay. Okay. I got past that. Like, I can <laughs> yeah. deal with it. It's like, I, I've, the shock has kicked in and I'm repressing. Good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's continue flying. She had a, he had a brief moment. He made a sanity roll. He succeeded. He's fine. <laughs> this would make a good Call of Cthulhu campaign. <laughs> okay. Uh, so then Carlson makes some admissions to Kane. Uh, <laughs> saying that it wasn't the radio operator who destroyed the equipment on the Churchill. Carlson told a fib. He told a lie, yeah. It was him because as soon as he saw Space Girl, he fell, like, amazingly in love with her. Like, on a more than physical level. Yeah. And it scared the piss out of him. Yep. And if, and this is where we get Carlson just drenched in so much Vaseline again. Yeah, he's a very sweaty boy. Carlson theorizes that the three vampires they found in the crystal coffins survived by consuming the untold countless others uh, on the ship. So they, they cannibalized them. So and these three could survive and reproduce. 
uh, London is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> or uh, let me rephrase that. A miniature set of London is on fire. <laughs> no, another movie happened while we were away in the yeah. apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, while we were dealing with Patrick Stewart and assault chargers and stuff, um, 28 Days Later happened. <laughs> uh, so the experts have a meeting with the Prime Minister in his bunker, trying to update him on the situation, but the vampires are coming from inside the bunker. Well, so like they they get in there and he's like, "Where's Sir Percy?" And they're like, "He's he he didn't he died he, he didn't make it." And he's like, "Oh, okay." I was like, "That's a perfectly amount. That's a perfectly normal amount of reaction to the death of a man." I mean, it makes sense hey. in a second. Like, oh, yeah. okay, I yeah. get it now. Because <laughs> because he, he is actually one of the vampire spawn. So he's a vampire and he a hungry he hungry vampire. So he feasts on his secretary. Yep. Uh, so the experts get the hell out of there. And they don't tell anybody. They don't tell anybody. They just fucking leave. <laughs> just run. Yeah, run well, away. that happened. Don't, this place don't... is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Let's leave. Run away. Don't tell anybody that the prime minister is dead. Um, good. This is good. Yeah, he's still around. He can prime minister roughly as well as what's going on in Britain right now. <laughs> I Am I saying I would rather have this dead vampire creature as a prime minister than Liz Truss? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> Our experts get back to the helicopter. Uh, they begin to take off, but two vampire spawn jump on the helicopter and are like, "Ah, we're gonna get you!" And then they fall off. <laughs> that was pointless. Yeah, the helicopter lands at a like military outpost, and uh, Kane and Carlson are placed into quarantine because they're afraid that uh, the plague that is infesting London is going to spread through them. And the military is under orders to nuke London if. Uh, the plague doesn't get under control. And they're just waiting to hear a confirmation. Yeah. They're, like, waiting for one dude to make the decision that, yeah, let's do that. Right. And the way it, they're the way they make it sound is they're expecting a yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the giant vampiric space penis is approaching Earth. There is this. It goes completely off the rails at this point. Like, uh -huh. stuff gets weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so there is... So we, we have... Two vampires remaining. We have Space Boy and Space Girl. Uh-huh. Space Boy collects the energy from the humans, which is human souls. Which are blue. Which are blue, yes. They're very blue, important. Blue and, uh, as we learn later, very explosive. <laughs> it's volatile. Um, and Space Boy uses Space Girl as a conduit to get the energy to the spaceship. To the vampire ship. Yep. So this is their plan. Like, let's let's... Go through their plan, because it is very complicated, the life cycle of these critters. Uh-huh. So, space boys and space girl come down to a planet, or at least some form of the space vampires come down to a planet, start infecting the populace, or at least, like, Earth is their feeding ground. So yeah. they'll, they will infect Earth so that they, they suck out the soul of a person, the person becomes a vampire spawn, and they have to feed every two hours or die. And the people they feed on also become spawn. So there's, you know, spreading virus that way. Then when the vampire spawn do eventually die, the energy they have collected is released, which is collected by Space Boy, who returns it to Space Girl, is projected to space, and f fuels their ship. I think that's what's going on. I don't know. All I know is that this has happened once before, and that's how the Legend of the Vampires happened. It's happened multiple times. It's happened at least once before, and like it, it, it's whenever Haley's Comet comes by, which is every 75 years. Yeah. So it's happened at least once before, probably multiple times. Right. I don't know how the, how they're still in Earth after this, but... The, the vampires show restraint. 
And like, we know what happened 75 years ago. Do we really? We do, yes. <laughs> do we really? We do, yes. <laughs> I don't know. History, history is written by the victors, and I would say that these vampires have won multiple times. Like, okay, th this is supposed to happen in 85, in the years that the movie releases. Uh, yes, yes, yes. That's correct. Because that's when Haley's Comet came by. Uh huh. We know what happened in 1910. Do we? We've got records, my man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, records. I would hesitate to say there were some very important things that happened in the 1910s. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, but who do we really believe? <laughs> I'm shaking my head sadly. Um. Okay, so when Carlson first came in contact with Space Girl, he took some of her being into himself, which is why they have that connection. Is like a more stable version of the psychic connection that she originally created with him, and now she wants that energy back. Sure, yeah. She she let him hold it, and now she's asking for it back. Right, right. So Carlson breaks quarantine and runs from the base while Kane follows him in a jeep. Mm -hmm. Okay, kind of. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, yeah. They go I like, back I, in. This like stuff gets so buck wild in this segment. I am trying to be like, okay, is this what happened? Is like... Yeah, it's tricky. <laughs> the whole thing is tricky. Yeah, uh, Carlson is attacked by vampire spawn as he searches London for Space Girl, uh, and then eventually finds the cathedral where she's hiding out because there are heaps of dead spawn. There are so many dead or dying spawn because mm -hmm. some of them do reach for him, uh, and she is like lying in repose in the uh, crypt of this cathedral. Uh, Carlson makes his way back to the Space Research Center and finds Falada because he wants to grab him so that they because he's the only person who knows what's going on other than them. Uh, Bukowski died off camera because he wasn't all that important. No, even, even though, though he was our main character for the first portion of the movie. Yeah, yeah, he just yeah. It's when Falada drops that, he's like, oh yeah, Bukowski died so, like somewhere else. It's like, wait. <laughs> Did you only have that actor for a week? <laughs> uh, and Falada has been taken by the vampires. He is a spawn. Uh, Kane shoots him several times and he dies. His back bursts open and life energy falls out. <laughs> Just falls right out of him. Yeah. Uh, so Kane grabs Falada's weird sword thingy and heads toward the cathedral, dodging spawn and all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, Carlson finds Space Girl, who has been expecting him. And sh Space Girl wants Carlson to go with her because he was destined to do so. Like, this is his destiny to go with her into the stars. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Kane fights his way through the city. Uh, there are lots more spawn around. And lots of people just having a real rough day in London. Um... Uh, Space Boy is traveling through the city as a giant glowing orb, collecting the uh, drained soul energy and transferring it back to Space Girl in a big old beam. Yeah, that's how you do. That's what. They, yeah, yeah. Uh, and right as Kane makes it to the cathedral, Space Boy comes out in like a big sexy form. <laughs> big sexy Space Boy. Yeah, and uh, is just like, hey, it's gonna be a lot less scary if you just surrender to us. Like, you won't even know what's going on. We'll just. I'll just kill you and it'll be cool. And Kane is just like, oh yeah, well, stab. <laughs> Counter argument. Sword. <laughs> yeah. And just stabs him in the sweet spot, which 
turns him into a giant bat for a hot moment. Which is a cool effect. And then he dies. And I'm sad. Yeah. Uh, Kane grabs the sword and enters the cathedral where he watches down a hole as Carlson and Space Girl are just fucking like rabbits. Yeah, look down into the sex portal. <laughs> the sex hole. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard it. This is literally a sex dungeon. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> And, and again, it's not the it's not the uh, Hollywood erotic sex. It's the awkward face sucking sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the movie just like launches towards the conclusion at this point. Um, yeah, it does. <clears throat> space Girl says that Carlson is actually a space vampire, mm-hmm. uh, which is why he's felt strange around her. I don't see. I don't know how that happened, but apparently it did. It, it, it is it is the truth of the things. Yeah, yeah. And Kane is Kane shouts Carlson like a million times. Uh, and then drops the sword down the sex hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Carlson's like, aha, sword! And impales both Space Girl and himself through the sweet spot. Um, they explode. But then travel to the vampire <laughs> ship. Yeah, they ascend into sex heaven. Yeah. AKA the alien penis ship. Yeah, which is filled with new vampire bodies. Yes. There's a lot of those crystal coffins, and they have sex vampires in them now. Uh, the ship, which is now apparently full of juicy life energy, leaves... And, and then, then the credits. movie stops. <laughs> yeah, I just suddenly credits. <laughs> this was fucking wild. It's a movie, man. It's it's a, it's a it's a ride. The the first half of this movie, where they're just like exploring the mystery of what is going on, is so good. It really is. Like you were saying, like it, it's slow, but it's the kind of slow build where you know they're building to something cool. Like, right. oh, it's like, oh, this is slow, I can, but I can deal with it because it's going to have a payoff. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, then, <laughs> and then, and then the, the payoff is insane. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> it just keeps going. Like, it's... Okay, it's like, okay, vampires from space. I can get that. Like, they bring back a space vampire to Earth, and it runs amok. Mm-hmm. I can get that. And then it's like all of the like life cycle and physiology of these things is just buck wild. It's something else. Yeah, is like I was on board until the whole souls and blue energy bullshit happened, and then I'm like, I, I checked out mental. Yeah, that, that's why I was so like, okay, and then this happens, and this happens, and this happens, because it's just like shooting things at you in like yeah. the last half hour of this movie. Which I get the distinct impression that um, like a lot of a, I know that a lot of the nudity and stuff was cut from the American edit, but right. I'm willing to bet that there was a lot more cut here. Yeah, or at least maybe not more, but. A lot that it was shaved off so much that it just kind of edits very strange. And so much of this movie is just like, okay, this happened off screen. And then we're going to tell you about it. And then we have to explain the plot to another expert. And then we're going to go somewhere else and find another expert. We'll explain the plot to them. And is it's weird. Yeah, it is. I like this movie. I really do. I do too. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's gotten kind of a critical reevaluation. Like recently, like a lot of these these movies from this period have. Sure. Um, they tried to do a, a TV series based off of it at one point. It kind of fell through, and then they were going to do a remake of it, and that kind of fell through. I think this is one that needs to be left alone as a like time capsule of this period. I agree because like, there's so much going on here. You've got Toby Hooper's like immaculate direction, and then you've got the Cannon Group just being insane, and then you've got. 
like no this this movie should not be touched because i yeah. mean i can easily see them doing a remake and when if you do a room remake there are one of three avenues that that could take mm-hmm. it could make it could be retelling the same story and be really good mm-hmm. to retell the same story and be really bad mm-hmm. or it could just you know walk that mediocrity line and that's but none I of think those, what you'd get but it well, wouldn't it, be anything special any of those three i would not think yeah were great like yeah i don't want to see this movie as a good movie no. i don't want to see this movie as a bad movie I want to see this movie as it is. Like, the only thing I would want to see is a direct adaptation of the novel called Space Vampires. Or The Space Vampires. That I'd be okay with. Yeah. Like, if you're going to do that, because it would not be this movie. No way. It would be an adaptation of that movie, and maybe the the body of the author would be happy with that Because <laughs> he's very dead at this point. Sure. But, yep, that is Life Force. Um, got anything else to say, Matt? About this no, cultural artifact? <laughs> no, like I said, I I did enjoy the movie yeah. a lot. Um, and and you, just to rehash, like the first first three quarters of the movie, uh-huh. the first two acts are phenomenal. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And the last act is Buck Wild. It just goes completely off the rails. Uh, it but, is a different movie. But again, the, the cinematography and the directing are incredible. Uh-huh. Um, Patrick Stewart is a delight. Uh, and, uh, I mean, there's a lot of pretty naked people. I won't... Yeah. Uh, let's not... Mathilda May is gorgeous. Uh-huh. So, uh... And you get to see a lot of her. Yeah, you do. Um, but that's it. Um, let's go ahead and, uh, move on to The Crunch. Dealing woman, you cut puppy's toes off, pulling animals' nose off. How'd you magic my clothes off? Dealing woman, take me back to your room, make me howl at the moon, make me pray to the temple of woo. Dealing woman, woman, demon. All right. So I was in charge of crunching this time because it was my infliction. It was your movie to bear. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And we actually have two stat blocks here because we needed two. Oh, I didn't even notice. Okay. Yeah. I mean, then again, I didn't look at the stat blocks. Yeah. Uh, So first I bring you the Astral Vampire. And God, I hope the stat block actually works because I'm not sure if it does. Um, (laughs) I love those. Yeah. So we have a medium undead shape changer, mm-hmm. uh, neutral evil, uh, armor class of 15, natural armor, uh, average hit points of 77, which is 14 D8 plus 14. Okay. He's got a challenge rating of six. That's a little on the low side yeah, for yeah, challenge but rating six, but th- th- they do enough interesting things. Yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll go ahead. Uh, they have a speed of 30 feet and a fly speed of 60 feet in their true form. Okay. Uh, strength of a minus one, dex of a plus three, constitution of a plus one, intelligence of plus two, wisdom of plus one, and a charisma of plus six. Yeah, like, sure. That makes perfect sense. Yep. Because they are, um, they are unnaturally beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the trivia, at least, uh, that I could find, um, in regards to, like, the movie was a lot of... Uh, was, was particularly how much time it took to put all of the makeup on her, uh, yeah. on her naked body. I um, could, I could see that, and a lot more pubic hair talk than I was quite frankly comfortable with. <laughs> nah, you're gonna get that. Well, no, no. So it's it's really oh. funny because Toby Hooper apparently wanted her to completely be completely shaven. Yeah, but she was 18 when she filmed this movie, and it made her Ew. look really young. So yeah. then they were like, okay, well, we need to grow some of it back. But it's, apparently, Toby Hooper was still like. No, I want it nice and trim. And the makeup artist was like, 
we can't do anymore. So she took wig hairs and cut them and scattered them on the floor around. And was like, look, we did it. And Toby Hooper's like, okay, cool. Thank you. <laughs> Toby Hooper, you were a weird man. <laughs> Talented, but weird. Yeah. So I did think that was kind of funny. But anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> I didn't realize she was only 18. That's. All right. Let's, okay. let's bring let's, it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, for skills, we have uh, deception and persuasion at a plus 12, having expertise in those skills, and insight and perception of plus 7. Sure. Uh, for damage resistances, we have cold and poison, and then bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks. Okay. Condition immunities of charmed and frightened. Okay. Can't charm the charmer. Nope. For senses, we have dark vision out to 60 feet and passive perception of 17. That is... Okay, how did you get... Where did you get the passive perception of 17 from? That's just what it generated for me. Oh. Oh, because duh, because she's got a it's got a proficiency in perfe- in perception, and yeah. it's adding the proficiency bonus to to passive the passive. Yeah, still that's really high. That's very high. Yes, that could be changed, but I'm also how often does that like matter? Uh, for languages, we have abyssal and telepathy out to sixty feet. Okay. Uh, challenge rating six, and now we get into the traits of this critter. All right, now this is where oh my god, there is a lot written here. Like I said, it's a huge stab block. I did a lot. I know, this is like one of mine. What the hell? Uh, like, cards on the table, what I kind of did for this is, in addition to creating a few of my own stuff, uh, I also added and modified stat block, or abilities and traits from the Ghost, Succubus, and Vampire. Okay. I mean, all three of those things make sense for yeah. this thing. Uh, our first trait is called Collect Life Force. Every time the vampire uses its draining kiss action or successfully charms a humanoid, it generates a moat of light force. The vampire can store up to four moats at one time. From beyond, the vampire counts as an aberration in addition to its other creature types. Okay, I dig it. A telepathic bond. The vampire ignores the range restriction on its telepathy when communicating with a creature, with a creature it has charmed. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, that's straight up a succubus ability. Uh, oh, okay. The two don't even need to be on the same plane of existence. In addition, the vampire can speak and understand all languages spoken and understood by creatures it has previously charmed. Cool. Uh, shape changer. The vampire can use its action to polymorph into a copy of a humanoid that it has previously charmed that is still alive. Or back into its true form. While not in its true form, the vampire loses its flying speed. Uh, other than its size and speed, its statistics are the same in each form. Any equipment it is wearing uh, or carrying isn't transformed. It reverts to its true form if it dies. Sure. Uh, vampiric weakness. The vampire ta- uh, If the vampire takes piercing damage from a weapon of wrought iron, it ignores the vampiric resistance. It uh, ignores vamp... It's resistance. Resistance. <laughs> Uh, additionally, the vampire must succeed it, it on It ignores a... the its resistances. Yep. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> There's too much here. <laughs> uh, it ignores its resistances. Additionally, the vampire must succeed on a DC 15 constitution saving throw or be stunned until the end of its next turn. Wow. So okay. it... Yeah, that's a pretty rough drawback. Yep. Okay. Uh, claw in its true form. Uh, melee uh, weapon attack, plus five to hit, reach five feet of one target. On a hit, it does an average of six slashing damage. And that's only in its true form, which this thing is not going to want to be in. It does not have to be. Uh, charm. 
One humanoid the vampire can see within 30 feet of it must succeed on a DC 15 wisdom saving throw or be magically charmed for one day. The charmed creature obeys the uh, vampire's verbal or telepathic commands. If the target suffers any harm or receives a suicidal command, it can repeat the saving throw, ending the effect on a success. If the target successfully saves against the effect or the effect on it ends, the target is immune to this vampire's charm for 24 hours. Okay. That's just like a succubus. I was just about to ask, yeah. so... Uh, this is what's different, though. The vampire can have up to two targets charmed at one time. If it charms another beyond that, the effect on a previous target ends. Mm. Normally, succubus can only have one charmed at a time. This one can go up to two. Right, right. It's a little bit... It's a better succubus. It's better. A better... Yeah. And I was going to try to portman two better than succubus, and I, don't. I, almost, I almost died. <laughs> so, yeah. It was a very quiet death, but it was very near. All right. Then we have Draining Kiss. The vampire kisses a creature charmed by it or a willing creature. Uh, the target must make a DC 15 constitution saving throw of this ma against this magic, taking 33 on average psychic damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. The target's hit point maximum is reduced by an amount equal to this damage taken. This reduction lasts until the target finishes a long rest. If the target dies, or the target dies of this effect, uh, if its hit point maximum is reduced to zero, if a humanoid dies as a result of this action, 1d4 hours later, it arises as an astral vampire spawn. Which is probably going to be that second stat yes. box that you've got. Okay. Yeah, that's why I had to make a second one. <laughs> okay, possession. Jeepers. Okay. Yeah, they do a lot. <laughs> like, they do so much in this movie. Try making this a stat block. No, no. It's complicated. I'm, no, honestly, you're doing a good job. I like, I mean, a lot of this is piecemealed from other creatures. Yeah, yeah. But I think it serves the, uh, the these creatures very well, so right. I like what you're doing. So. Okay. Possession. One humanoid that the vampire can see within five feet of it that is currently charmed by it <laughs> must succeed on a DC 15 charisma saving throw or be possessed by the vampire. Uh, the vampire then disappears and the target is incapacitated and lose control of its body. The vampire now controls the body but doesn't deprive the target of awareness. So it's aware of what's going on. That's horrifying. It is. Uh, the vampire retains its alignment, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma, and immunity to being charmed and frightened. It otherwise uses the possessed target statistics, but doesn't gain access to the target's knowledge, class features, or proficiencies. <laughs> the vampire can still use its charm and draining kiss actions. Okay. The possession lasts until the body drops to zero hit points. The vampire ends it as a bonus action, or the vampire... Vampire... I'm losing it. I'm fading fast. Chris, you got more to go. Come yeah. on. Stay with uh, me. Or the vampire is turned or forced out by an effect like Dispel, Evil, and Good Spell. While the possession... When the possession ends, the vampire reappears in an occupied space within five feet of the body. The target is immune to the vampire's possession for 24 hours after succeeding on the th saving throw or the possession ends. Okay. And then we get to its reaction. So I, oh I have one question. Yes. Because um, I'm assuming, and, and I am assuming that this is just kind of carbon copied from the ghost. Yes. Um, what Like, is there any mention, and in, or maybe we should include, what happens to the vampire when the body drops to zero? Uh, it reappears in an occupied space within 50 feet of the body, because that's a possession ends effect. I had a stroke. You did. And missed that part. Carry on. <laughs> okay, so... We're both we, having issues. We're, it, this is... It's getting rough here. <laughs> okay, uh, we get to reactions, and this is where... So it's got a reaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, reactions. 
Uh, and this is where we use the motes of life force that the vampire has been generating. Because remember, it did that. I did forget about those. <laughs> yep. All right. Project life force costs one moat. Uh, the vampire heals itself or one of its allies for 3d6 HP. Okay. Astral rays costs two moats. Range spell attack, plus nine to hit. Range 30, 50 feet, one target. Hit 24 psychic damage on average. If this drops to a creature, uh, if this drops a creature to zero HP, the vampire generates one mote of life force. So as a reaction, it makes an attack. Interesting. Yep. Okay. Yeah. That, oh, wow. That's wild. Okay. Yeah. They're like they're like pseudo legendary actions. Yes. Okay. But they they can only use that if they have motes of life force. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then we get to the astral vampire spawn. All right. Medium undead, uh, chaotic neutral, armor class of fifteen. Average of 52 HP, which is 78 plus 21, speed of 30 feet. Uh, strength of plus 3, dex of plus 3, con of plus 3, intelligence of 0, uh, or plus 0, wisdom of plus 0, and a charisma of minus 1 because they look really weird. Yeah, nobody wants to fuck a corpse. I don't know that one guy did. Few people want to fuck a corpse. <laughs> yeah, I, I regretted saying it as much yeah, yeah. as soon as I said it. So. Uh, for damage resistances, necrotic, uh, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks. They are immune to being charmed and frightened. Dark vision of up to 60 feet. Passive perception of 10. Knows the languages that new in life because it's resurrected corpse. Challenge rating of 3. Okay. Here's its traits. It oh. can it generates life force. When the spawn dies, it creates one mote of life force that travels to the astral vampire that the spawn is loyal to. Alrighty. Uh, vampiric weakness. If the spawn has not regained hit points through an attack in two hours, it drops to zero HP and turns to dust. So if it doesn't feed within two hours, it dies. Interesting, yeah. And then our actions, uh, it has multi-attack. Spawn makes two attacks, only one of which can be a bite attack. Bite. Melee weapon attack, plus six to hit, reach of five feet. One willing creature, you know, just in case. Uh, <laughs> or a creature that is grappled by the spawn, incapacitated or restrained. On a uh, hit, it does six piercing damage plus seven on average necrotic damage. The target's hit points is reduced by an amount equal to the necrotic damage taken, and the spawn regains hit points equal to that amount. Keeping it alive. Yep. The reduction lasts until the target finishes a long rest. The target dies if it reduces the hit points to zero. If a humanoid dies this way in 1d4 hours, I am losing it. I am going so fast. <laughs> In 1d4 hours, it rises as an astral vampire spawn that is loyal to the original astral vampire. Okay. And then claws, uh, it does damage, and you can grapple just like regular spawn, so that's nothing different there. Yeah, that's that's pretty bug standard. Yep. Well, that's... Okay. That's a lot. That is an awful lot. Oh, um, God, he's breaking out the book. What'd I fuck up on? No, I, I'm just looking. Just I'm. You didn't fuck up on anything. I'm just looking at something. You're going to hurt my numbers, aren't you? No. Just one. <laughs> um, no, but yes. <laughs> um, no, uh, after reading through all of that, um, I would honestly recommend still increasing the Astral Vampire's hit point pool a little okay. bit. Um, maybe not by a huge amount. Well, yeah, because, I mean, on average... Um, Creatures of challenge rating six should have like double that HP with okay. that same armor class. I mean, the, again, the damage resistances are are supposed to be what kind of mitigates that. Yeah. But I don't know. I'd still put. Okay. I would push a little bit closer to a hundred, hundred and twenty. Think so? Okay. Yeah. 
whatever that might be. But other than that, like, that's the only kind of crunch note that I really have for you. Okay. That I foresee. I mean, there's probably more, but... I mean, there's probably more in all of ours, so... Mm -hmm. But, okay, that is what's going on with all of that. So there it is. Yep. Um, well, Chris, I, I really like it. Uh, I think you did a really, really good job, and you put a lot more work into these stat blocks than you usually do. No offense. That's because um, there's a lot that happens with a, this guy. There was a lot. Um, and I think, but I, I do think that you encapsulated it very, very yeah. well. So I love him. I like him. Alrighty. Um, so with that, uh, we got uh, mine coming up yeah, next. Yeah, you're, you're next. Now you know we, what you're doing? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Now we've had several more requests. Um, however, I want to do a movie that I want to do instead. Oh, thank God. <laughs> um, and, uh, I was looking through, kind of trying to figure out another movie that I kind of wanted to watch again, have an excuse to, and I found one. Okay, what'd you find? I want to watch Underwater. Oh, yay! Yep. With Kristen Stewart, um, it was the last movie that we all saw in theaters before, <laughs> before everything exploded. Before the end times. Before the bad times happened, so... No, the bad times were going on. These were the worst times. <laughs> Yeah, it's the last the last movie that we saw in theaters before the pandemic. Yep. Um, and uh, I want to watch it again. Okay. So that's what we're going to be doing is underwater. Uh, so with that, thank you so much for listening. As always, we really do appreciate it. Um, if you would like to use any of these stat blocks, you can find them in a myriad of places, including Twitter. Uh, we got a link in our description. Uh, we've got them up. Uh, I've got a, the majority of them up on D and D Beyond mm -hmm. uh, under uh, the underscore best underscore disguise. Um, yeah, they're they're easy to find. I think at this point. Yeah. Uh, and reach out to us if you do utilize them or have any notes or feedback or if you want to give us a request uh, that isn't from coming from one of my loved ones or friends. Um, and we'll uh, we'll definitely look into that. Um, if you like the crunch side a little bit more than the movie side, uh, definitely uh, consider subscribing to our Patreon um, at the $5 a month level, which is our Swamp Heap level. Uh, we do our bonus Critter Kibbles episodes that tie into each mainstay episode where we explore, a few, you know, two to three mm -hmm. other rule sets that are inspired by or directly related to the movie that we watched. Um if you want a good example of what that looks like, uh, we did release our anniversary Critter Kibbles on the main feed, uh, though that one admittedly is a lot longer than they usually yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, that's like ten times longer than we usually do. But uh, but yeah, that one's a that one's a good one for uh, at least an example, a, a taste of what it is uh, of what what we bring to the table. Uh, it's where we put most of the content out on, honestly, mm -hmm. um, most of the, uh, the the rule sets anyway. Um, if you don't want to swing for the $5 a month, uh, we do have a $1 a month level. You can become a fur buddy, uh, which just helps support us and, uh, you know, helps us as Chris always says, recoup the cost of renting, renting these, these movies stupid movies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and if you don't want to do any of that, that's cool too. Uh, we do just, we do appreciate just listening, uh, you can reach out to us, creaturecrunchpodcast at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. um, we got on we're on Twitter at Creature Crunch. We're at we're on Tumblr at Creature Crunch. We're around. Yep, we're around. Um, but if you want to reach out to us individually, you are welcome to do that as well. Chris, where can we find you? Uh, you can always find me on Twitter at the library C, that's C E E. And uh, you can find me on Twitter as well. I am uh, at Danny underscore hamstake. Um, 
and uh, I guess we will see you in two weeks for Underwater. What do you believe?